Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, October 15th, 2019, and you're listening to another episode of the DC United podcast. My name is Michael Cohen, and I'm the Senior Director of Content and Strategy for DC United. Thank you very much for joining me on today's show. As always, you can find episodes of this podcast available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the DCUnited.com website. If you happen to be checking this out on our website, we encourage you to look at the Inside the Black and Red tab, located under the News section, where you can find all archived episodes of this podcast, as well as our links to match previews, tactical breakdowns, behind-the-scenes stories, and everything else you need to stay caught up on the Black and Red. And if you happen to be listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, we encourage you to leave us a star rating and leave a comment to let us know what you think of the show and what topics you might like to hear on future episodes. Once again, we're continuing with our series looking back at the 1999 season, the 20th anniversary of a team that won MLS Cup. It was DC United's third MLS Cup title in the first four years of the league's existence. We've already had four episodes in this series. We've heard from Roy Lasseter, Jeff Agus, Kerry Talley, and John Masoner. And today we're going to hear from defender Carlos Yamosa. Yamosa was selected in the 1997 supplemental draft. He was the eighth overall pick, and he quickly became one of the best players for DC United. He slotted immediately in to the starting back line and kept his starting spot for four seasons. The four seasons he was with the DC United franchise. He logged over 1,400 minutes in each one of those seasons. He ended up winning three MLS Cup titles in his four years with the club. Also made 29 appearances with the U.S. men's national team, including two as a substitute in the 2002 FIFA World Cup. And now he works as an assistant coach for the Portland Timbers. So now, without further ado, we will get to a conversation with defender Carlos Yamosa. What do you recall was was sort of the mood of the team or the expectations of the team going into that season, coming off, you know, reaching MLS Cup in 98, but but not quite winning it like you wanted to? Yeah, that, that, was, the, that was the expectation for the whole team. You know, we, we were looking for... Uh, Let's say a revenge, you know, because we, we had a great season in 1998. We won the uh, CONCACAF Champions uh, League, beating Toluca in the final 1-0. And then we reached uh, the MLS Cup final, and then we lost uh, to Chicago 2-0. So coming to 99, we were trying to, to go back to the Cup and win it this time. So that was since day one we were, that was our the team mentality. What do you remember about Thomas Rangan coming in and, and what was the transition like from Bruce to his style? Well, it was a, a little bit different because uh, personality-wise, Bruce and Thomas are two different persons. They have a different MO of uh, coaching, talking to players. Uh, obviously, for Bruce, we yeah, we had like a three years with the whole group. Half of the group were with him in Virginia when he was at the college uh, coach there. So that was a different relationship with Bruce and the players. And Thomas coming as a new coach to a team who reached the MLS Cup final three years in a row wasn't quite easy for him. So at the beginning, I think we have a good start uh, in preseason with Thomas, and as soon as 
the time, continue going, play uh, games. I think we we start knowing each other. Thomas start recognizing each player uh, talent where we can use that player, and I think he manages really well. He manages really well that year, the season, and I mean we become a MLS Cup champions again. Who were some of the leaders on that team that kind of, you know, acted a little bit as intermediaries between Thomas and some of the players? Who stepped up vocally that season? Do you remember? Well, what I really recall, uh, Thomas, uh, he he became really close to to Jaime Moreno that year. He was really close with Jaime. He was always talking to him. He was like the link between... uh, Spanish speakers players and the Americans and the coach who was fully uh, English speakers. Uh, we had Thomas, we had friend Yalop, that that stuff. And I would say it was Jaime Moreno that the the link between the two the two cultures that we have in the team at that moment. You know, that, that team won the Supporters' Shield and offensively scored 11 more goals than any team in the league. But on the defensive side, which is obviously where, where you played, uh, it was also the best defensive season in D.C. United history to that point in terms of fewest goals allowed in, in franchise history. So, you know, with the guys around you, whether it was Jeff Agus or Kerry Talley or whoever you had on the back line, what worked so well defensively that season? Well, I think uh, we have a... Very, uh, a good group of defenders and goalkeepers. So no matter who step on the field, uh, the coaches, the fans, the team, teammates, we, we knew anybody who step on the field going to perform uh, really well. We have uh, at that moment Eddie Paul, Jeff Evans, myself. Uh, sometimes we had to leave. We had to leave the team to go to national team duty. And when we were away with the national team, like you say, we have a Kerry Talley, we have a Diego Senora this year, who was an Argentinian international. We have a bunch of guys in the back who can play the position and and get the points when normally the guys who used to play, they were away with the national team. So the same thing and on goal, we have uh, Tom Pestos, who I think, I believe that was his first year as a starter in the team, and he did really well that year. What do you remember about the environments at RFK Stadium? Well, actually, uh, last Sunday when we played San Jose here at home in Portland, I was talking to a guy who works for ESPN now. And he used to be, in, he used to live in D.C. when I played for D.C. United. And he said, the last time I recall an environment like that, I thought it was like when, he used to play in RFK. Uh, I would say the first Barra Bravas were those uh, DC United fans. The Barra Bravas, the Screaming Eagles, and jumping for 90 plus minutes during those matches in RFK. I think that was, that was a plus for us as a team and as a player. There was a, a point in time in August and September when you guys won 11 straight games, you know, going into the playoffs there. Um, when that team was at its best in 99, what made it so dangerous and, and so capable of, of beating just about anybody in the league? Well, the confidence that we have in, in our team, apart the quality, the quality was there. We have a lot of talent in that team. But the confidence that we were playing at that moment were, were 
really high, you know. Uh, doesn't matter we play at home in D.C. or we play away, we always step on the field with the same confidence, try to push for the game to win. We never try to speculate, uh, especially playing away from our own home. So I think that was that was the key to, to that, that team. What was it like to be able to, you know, supply uh, the ball a little bit for guys like Marco and Jaime and Roy, and also just to, to watch what they were able to do in the attacking third? Was that a special group to watch? Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, in part, that those guys made our job uh, easier, you know, because we only had to be worried about the defense. Uh, we defend, take the ball away from the from the other team, and then just give it to one of those guys in the middle, to Marco and Richie, uh, or the guys up front, uh, Roy or Jaime, you know. So, and they do the special thing they used to do, the magic that, that we call. I was talking to one of your teammates that year, Jason Moore, and uh, and he was telling me that you know watching Marco do what he did from a distribution standpoint, being able to play balls when it didn't even seem like he was looking at the intended target, and just you know also taking on a little bit of a leadership role as as you mentioned earlier. What what type of player was Marco Echeverri, and what do you think he meant to MLS at that time? I it was. He was the best player at that moment. The first couple of years at MLS, he wasn't the, the best player in MLS. He wasn't the top, top three. He was fantastic. I mean, being in the field uh, every single day with Marco was uh, special for me. Uh, the quality that he brought to the field every single day in practice, no matter what we do, small side games, 5 be 2 full field games. I mean, the guy was always 100%. Uh, imagine, that was uh, natural. He looks like uh, sometimes he, was, he wasn't even trying and he was the best all the time. So it's a uh, special, special for me to have had the opportunity to play and share the same locker room and the same field with a guy like Marco Chever. When you, you think about the talent on that team, you guys obviously had a goal of winning MLS Cup. And, and when you started to get toward the playoffs, coming off that you know 11-game win streak and everything, did everybody feel good at the time going into the playoffs that, that it was very, you know, you had a pretty good chance of reaching your goal? Yeah, we knew we, knew we have a, a good chance. But at the same time, we knew we had to be our, our, our best because... We can relax, or we can uh, we can uh, fall asleep uh, in any of those games because, uh, especially in the Eastern Conference, there were good good teams. I mean, uh, the Metro Star, Columbus Crew, New England. There was always we call rivalry. You know, they always say it was the Metro Stars against DC, but we played Columbus like two or three conference finals when I was there. So that was another rivalry. And if I if I recall, right before playoff, I think I had a, a knee injury, a sprained MCL, and I missed the first round of playoff, and then I missed the first game of that uh, conference final against Columbus, and we missed like two or three guys in that game, away game in Columbus, and I, I believe we lost like 
or one if I want. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask you about is, is you win game yeah. one and then you go to Columbus in game two and lose five to one. And, you know, for as much talent and as confident as you guys were, you know, what is it like to get ready for a game three after you, you kind of get, you know, beaten pretty soundly? Yeah, that was a bad loss. And then we knew game three in D.C., that was uh, we had to perform our best in our best in order to beat Columbus, those guys have a great team at that moment as well. And as I said before, when as a team, when we need to, when we need to perform, when we need to step on the field and get things done, I, that's what we did in that game three. I believe that was a four-zero game, the game three. Yeah, zero four-one at home. It was four-zero. Yeah, and yeah, Marco Chaver was fantastic in that game on Boy Lassiter. So I, I believe Roy Lassiter scored a bicycle kick in that game, and uh, Marco scored a fantastic free kick. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. You have a great memory, and you know that yeah. game in particular. You know Marco has a goal and three assists. Roy has two and, goals. Jaime and, has a goal, yeah. and you get a clean sheet. Was that sort of that was, was that sort of like the perfect was, performance? Yeah, that was perfect performance. That was I was glad. I was happy because that was my first game after like month and a half to six weeks uh, that I was out for with a, a MCL injury and I recall I played with a knee brace and I was worried during the game not to get into a heart tackle and get injured again and then miss the MLS Cup final but I played the entire game and I was glad to get to get the clean sheet and then score four goals from the guys I fought. What do you remember about the week between that game and MLS Cup? Was was anybody nervous or anxious before the final? No, 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 no. We we knew we have a big game coming up, but uh, most of the group that we have uh, that year, that was the group who played '98 and '97 MLS Cup final. So that was a group who played MLS Cup final before. So the confidence was there. At, we had to prepare well to play another big rivalry like uh, LA Galaxy at that point. What was the most difficult thing to prepare for about the Galaxy? What made them dangerous that season? Uh, well, the most dangerous, uh, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but in that year, during the regular season, they beat us twice I'm not really sure they were one of the best teams in the league that's, that year they have uh, great players that year they have uh, Carlos Hermosillo front a guy who scored a lot of goals for them in that year uh, Kobe Jones so they have a really really good, good group uh, Robin Fraser in the back was the defender of the year uh, Kevin Hartman was one of the best goalies that year so as a group, they were a strong team, and we knew it was going to be a tough final. Uh, we need to, to be uh, in our best. Uh, personally, my only concern was my my knee injury. That I'm still nursing it. I'm still playing with a knee brace, training with a knee brace the whole week before the game, and that was my only concern. I want to go as I want to. I want to get there to the finals healthy as if I can be. And fortunately for me, I. I, I made it to the to the game, and I lost like a 80 minutes in that game, and I, I had to come out with a knee injury at the 88th minute, I believe, in the MLS Cup final 99. I have a collision.
position with uh, our goalie, Tom Prestes, and he hit my knee and then uh, I had to come out of the game. What uh what went through your mind in the 19th minute when when Jaime pokes that ball into the back of the net and you take a one nothing lead? Well, the, I thought uh, the teams were bouncing uh, our way this time because a uh, year before uh, we got like two in 1998 that we lost to Syria we got like two unlucky goals let's call it one was a deflection the other one was uh, offside who wasn't called. And then we had like, like 20 shots on goal, but we couldn't score against uh, Chicago. And this time, at that moment, the 1980 minute coming from, a, I believe it was a throwing, uh, Jaime had the opportunity to score. I was okay now. This year, the, the things are bouncing uh, our way, so... And then 20, uh, 20 minutes later, 20 minutes later, I assume that that the idea that things were going your way was probably confirmed when they have that goalkeeping error, and, and there's Ben to, to pop it in, sort of yes. like that that garbage goal that his teammates described it as—a guy yes. that's always in the right spot at the right time. Is that is that sort of exactly the type of player that Ben was? Exactly, exactly. He was always in the right spot. He was like looking for second balls. He he was a young player who recognized. Who, who was playing again? He was playing with, uh, you know. He fit really well with Marco, with uh, Roy, with Jaime, all those guys that we had around him. He fit perfectly coming out of college, just young age, and he fit to the team really well. And he was one of the most important players for us that year. And then he closes to the MLS Cup final with that goal, and he won the MVP of the Cup. Yeah, he did. He did. And, and so I, I got to ask you, you know, the second half is is going and the minutes are ticking away. And then you mentioned you get subbed off with about 10 minutes to go. Those final 10 minutes where you were on the bench, I have to imagine it looked like the clock was going extremely slow, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It's different when you are on the field. It seems like you are on control of everything, that every decision that you make in the back. It's like uh, it's on your own control, but being on the bench is like uh, you, f- you feel like helpless. Like I want to help, I want to help, but you know. And those ten minutes were the longest ten minutes of my career. And then when the final whistle blows and, and everybody starts celebrating, what did it feel like? Joy. There was happiness. Everybody was like, "Yeah, we made it again. We did it. We did it." I mean, after missing. Uh, that game in 98 we came back stronger in 99 and we won the cup again for the third time in four years did it feel like you guys were a little bit of a dynasty I think that was the first uh, MLS dynasty to be honest uh, reaching the, the MLS cup final four years in a row I, that's, that's dynasty I would call that when you think back to the, the first few days after that game, you know, there was a parade in D.C., and I think John Masoner was telling me that you guys visited the White House. What was it like to come back to D.C., you know, freshly crowned as champions? That was great. I mean, that was, that was amazing, given that, uh, that gift to the fans, the, 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 the city who supports for... 10 months and to be able to go to Boston and 
win the cup and bring it back to DC, having the parade, meeting the we meet the mayor first, and then a couple of, uh, weeks later we met the the president. So that was unbelievable. That was fantastic. I had the opportunity to give that back to the city, to the fans. That for me, in those early years, they were the best best fans in MLS. Now you. You had a, a tremendously successful career, played with the national team, played, you know, all over in, in Major League Soccer, but did starting, you know, Major League Soccer in the inaugural seasons with D.C. United, even all these years later, do those few seasons still hold, like, a, a special place for you? Yeah, always going to be a special place for me. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's the city, that's the place where I started my MLS career. When I, I received... Uh, a lot of things, good things for me, my family, my career. And the last question I had for you is, being around the league in the capacity that you are now as a coach, you know, I'm sure you run into some of your former teammates. Obviously, Ben is coaching as well. When you see some of the guys that were part of those early years, do you ever, you know, reminisce and talk about old stories and things like that? <laughs> yeah, all the time. All the time when, when I opportunity to talk to Ben, Richie, all the guys who are still around in different roles around the league. Uh, we're still talking about those this year. A pretty fun conversation with Carlos Yamosa. It was cool to hear some of his thoughts on, on what it was like to play with Marco Echeverri and what Marco meant to the team, and, and also a little bit about his own thought process during that playoff run. I was unaware that he had been battling that MCL sprain and, and sort of how that affects the psyche and the mental preparation of a player. I thought that was particularly insightful on Carlos's part. If you found that entertaining and you'd like to hear some of our prior conversations, again, they're all available and archived on any podcast platform you listen to, whether that's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also on our DCUnited.com website. We'll have more for you coming in the next few weeks, as well as coverage of the entire MLS playoffs. DC United getting ready to travel to Toronto FC this weekend for the first round of MLS playoffs. Be sure to check out our website. We'll have all kinds of coverage for you. And until the next episode of this podcast, I hope you have a terrific rest of your day, a terrific rest of your week, and I will talk to you again soon. (laughs) 